0: This is The Right Direction where we talk to professional storytellers and writers and we discuss their craft and how they sell it. I'm your host, A.G. MacDonald, and let's get started with the show. Here today we're going to fix Star Wars so we can yeah. kind of progress I've from seen Star Trek once. to Star Wars. <laughs> I've,
1: I've, I've seen Rise of Skywalker once, so you know this is going to be a high quality episode of. And then the what, and then the, what are they called? Yeah, they got to do the thing.
0: <laughs> but, well, the thing is that that I've only seen it twice and that is a huge thing for a movie that came out like a year ago, a star Wars movie that came out a year ago for me to have only seen it twice and and only twice recently. I saw it once in theater in theaters and then I was done. I didn't see it again. And like, that's unheard of. Like I saw the force awakens three times and potentially I was going to go for a fourth. And I think the last Jedi, I think, I went twice, and I was going to go for a third, and it just didn't happen. But like, I was seeing them multiple times, and this one I only saw once because I was like, I don't really feel the need to go back and watch it again, which is which is sending off alarm bells in the beginning. (laughs) But um, yeah, I guess we we don't have to just talk about the rise of Skywalker because I know you've got thoughts about how you could make the entire trilogy uh, more cohesive as well. So I mean, if you want to discuss. how you would do it as a whole. We can discuss that too.
1: Just don't be surprised if we end up talking about Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra halfway through.
0: <laughs> it's like me. I'm. You could talk about anything and I will bring it back to Star Wars. <laughs> it's it's going to happen.
1: Here's my problem. I love what South Park has done to turn Disney into a villain. I don't think Disney can ever come back from that. I, I don't think it cares either. But in pop culture, I don't think anyone can get over the ha, I'm gonna own this. And like that 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 well, that evil psychotic Mickey Mouse now well, owns Disney.
0: I've been going through and watching every episode of The Simpsons on Disney Plus, and they take so many jabs at Disney, and like now Disney owns them.
1: <laughs> Which is just hilarious. I mean, I have no issue just basically saying, hey, I love Disney, but fuck Disney.
0: <laughs> I, I like I like Disney, but I I don't like the monopoly imperial thing that it's becoming. I I don't like that about it. And I don't like that they feel, it seems like you have to try less because it's like, well, we own the market corner. What are you going to do? Release a movie that's not released through us?
1: They did the impossible. They oversaturated comic books and Star Wars. Like before they took over, people were craving the next Star Wars content. Now they're just like, eh.
0: Yeah, I'll take and, it. And, and I think I think part of it does come down to that. Like when you when you think back to the prequel era, even though a lot of people hated them, Star Wars movies were special because you got to see them every three years. Whereas you know when you look at the gap between the Last Jedi and Solo, it was like months.
1: Yeah, it's unreal. And I really think that like when I think a movie's done right, I think a Lord of the Rings is, is probably the top of the. Top of the list, as far as movies done right, they they filmed them all at once, I believe. So they were all just one year apart with release. They were so brilliantly adapted. I mean, the talk about diving into a rich source material and just adapting it without completely perverting it, um, and keeping the keeping the integrity and the awe and the wonder of the story. uh Which I mean, just specifically off the top of my head, I think of I think of the Ents scene with with Merry and Pippin in the forest, and I just I just remember like the sort of awe and wonder that so you, you you've re- you've read my work you you probably could have predicted that that's the part of the the movie and the book that always stood out to me the most yeah I think well, I <laughs> <laughs> when they found the tree the, the tree herders and then they they destroyed isengard together um god now i completely forgot my train of thought because i'm just thinking about how much i love the lord of the ring movies i think i think that they are like the perfect they, they and, are
0: adaptation. A, an absolutely brilliant adaptation
1: yeah, the complete opposite of what The Hobbit was too.
0: I know, and it was <laughs> the same complete... person. So it's like, how did that even happen?
1: Money? Why are we even going to pretend it's anything else? Money?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's fair. He he
1: he, he did his hardistic shit. He he made up for it with um, they were young or when they were young or something. The the World War One imperial footage that he colorized and um added sound to, which was also brilliant. I have to add. Yeah.
0: So he, um, he he reclaimed his name. It's okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he 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 made up. For, I didn't. I forgot that Peter Jackson did The Hobbit. Um, I almost like blocked that out of my mind. Cause... Well, it would
0: it would have been interesting because it was meant to be done by Guillermo del Toro, and I feel like that would have been a completely different story.
1: The monsters would have been so much cooler. Like mm. almost all emphasis would have been on the monsters he created.
0: And I think, well, yeah, because he's very inspired by Lovecraft and all those weird and wonderful kinds of monsters. But I think it just would have been. I don't know, more about artistry than making money. Because that's what you say. It's like Peter Jackson was just like, I was offered a shit ton of money for it and here we we are. Um, I will say before we move on to talking about the sequel trilogy and what went wrong and why so many people had such an intense reaction to it, if anyone listening to this wants to hear about, you know, just conversations about every possible thing that you could imagine that will just keep you engaged the entire time. You have to go and check out the Gray and Gold podcast because it's just amazing. Like you talk about so many things that I wouldn't actively go out of my way to listen to, but they're fascinating when you actually start talking about them. Well, and obviously, you know, having heard or an episode already, if they've been following and now this one, they know you're awesome, but also Graydon is just fucking incredible because I just the way he approaches everything with such a an objective view and is able to say oh well what about this side of the the argument and what about this side like i'm just i have nothing but respect for him for that because in this day and age you do not find that
1: i agree it ultimately comes down to in this day and age it's almost like we aren't curious anymore i think curiosity and creativity go hand in hand. And perhaps part of the reason why you're seeing some stale storytelling is because we're lacking that curiosity. We said it in our previous episode, people aren't bothering to ask the question why. Kids are naturally more curious than us. And when you think of a kid, one of the first things you think of is how obnoxious they are because they'll ask you why 17 times in a row. But if you started doing that to yourself with the decisions you're making, the creative decisions you're making, the book you're writing, you're gonna be a little bit more creative. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, just, I guess it's just not going with that first instinct and just actually questioning why you're doing these things. So you need that little child on your shoulder going, why? 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 Yeah. Why?
1: Why? That's why they say don't, that's why they say don't sacrifice your inner child. It's not like some vague meaning. It's just literally telling you to stop, to, to never stop asking why.
0: And to stop thinking like an adult.
1: Adults suck. <laughs> yeah. gonna, be, being I one is, saying, saying. isn't great.
0: I've got to say, I'd much rather be a kid. <laughs> but I guess that's one thing that's interesting when we're coming back full circle now and talking about Star Wars again. I told you I can bring everything back to Star Wars. Um, it's impressive. It's a gift. when <laughs> When thinking about Star Wars, you see this intense reaction from people in their 20s, 30s, even higher than that. Oh, it's so obnoxious. Um, but when you go to kids, like even teenagers, you talk, to, you talk to them and ask them what they thought of The Rise of Skywalker and they're like, oh, I loved it. It was amazing. So it's like as much as I can see the faults in it, it has succeeded on some level because there is, even if it's a younger audience, there is an audience of people who enjoy it. And maybe that's just because it's Star Wars and it's brand loyalty, but there is an audience of people who enjoy it. And I don't want to take anything away from the people who did like, obviously it's a subjective thing. So, you know, my opinion isn't the be all end all, but it's interesting to me that so many people discount the opinions of younger people when in reality, Star Wars has and always will be a children's story.
1: It's a fairy tale. It's absolutely a fairy tale.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it's a morality tale. And I mean, particularly the original trilogy, but um, that's something that always struck me as really weird. And, and there was a talk with Dave Filoni where he said he just doesn't understand it. And he says it to these people and they still don't get it. Like he will say, cause they'll be like, Oh man, why are you making star Wars for kids? And then everyone's like, he'll say to them, he'll say, well, when did you start watching star Wars? And they'll say, Oh, I was like seven. And then he'll say, well, there you go. Like you're going to deprive another generation of that experience. Like if younger people are loving it and it's not your cup of tea, then just don't watch it.
1: It's like YA as we always talk about how rather than like letting it serve its purpose for introducing younger generations to reading, it's had to age up for an audience it's that wants up. it to always serve them.
0: That's right. It's aging up with the people who were those that demographic, you know, 10, 15 years ago when the online book community started up. Exactly.
1: But and now they just Star- can't
0: let it go. And I mean, and then that's fine. Yep. And like, as I said, I am a huge Star Wars fan, even though I'm a grown adult. Um, but I fully acknowledge that it is intended for children. <laughs> and I think that you do need to acknowledge that to begin with. And
1: it's okay to acknowledge it and enjoy it. I love Series of Unfortunate Events. It's not written for a 29-year-old.
0: <laughs> like... We'd well, want to hope not.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, but I still love it. I still love the creativity, the flexibility of its language, the 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 dexterity of just how he puts his like just the the dexterity of a sentence structure. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Like, it's so clever. It's impossible not to admire.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and I guess that's that's just something that I wanted to preface going into our obnoxious title of, you know, we're going to save star Wars from a terrible, terrible movie. Um, You know, that, that I do acknowledge that some people enjoy it and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But from our perspective as people who had an issue with, certain things. And like, I'm not even, I'm not even one of those big haters. That's like, ah, it's ruined my childhood and it's the worst thing ever. I'm not even worried about it from that perspective. It's just like, I can see that there are major flaws. Um, but also I guess the other thing I will say is going into this, I understand that they had a production schedule to adhere to. They had a second movie that though I enjoyed it, undermined the first movie that JJ Abrams made. And he had to try and course correct because he obviously had a certain vision. Uh, And then you had, from what I can understand interference from Kathleen Kennedy. You also had the passing of Carrie Fisher, um, which obviously changed an instrumental element of the story because that was meant to be Leia's movie. Um, So I think that the movie had to be changed completely. So I do acknowledge that there are external forces in real life that have actually changed the story and and how it actually turned out at the end like if this was a graphic novel or something which i would love to see a graphic novel version of the original story that was intended um for the final chapter but um you you do have to take into account that there are real world factors that they couldn't change
1: well i heard one report from i'm totally blanking on the youtuber's name right now He, he he has the the, the the sort of, like, metal head, and I think he goes by, like, Overlord or something like that. And he was talking about how one of the main issues with, with the actual finished product of Star Wars was it was less a cohesive story, and it was more they did so many test audiences to see what scene scored well, and basically the final cut of the movie was just a compilation of the highest-scoring scenes. So they didn't even necessarily care about, like, the the progression of the story. They just wanted to put as many high-scoring scenes in a movie as possible. Which
0: comes back to what we said in the previous um, episode about plotting and, and pacing and things like that, that you need to set out with a, almost a mission statement to begin with to say, like, what is this about? Now, you know, is it about Ray learning that she doesn't need a name in order to to be a hero? She doesn't have to be a Skywalker because... That certainly wasn't the message of the movie because in the end she called herself Skywalker. Um, Whereas that was kind of the point of The Last Jedi. And I actually liked that about The Last Jedi, that it was changing the format that you don't have to be a chosen one um, with some big lineage to one of the big families in Star Wars. You can just be a hero. And I actually liked that. And I think it would have been better if they'd have leaned into that rather than trying to retcon it in the first half of the movie. But it didn't seem like, They had a strong, clear theme. Like, The Force Awakens was basically just a retelling of The New Hope. And The Last Jedi was, what does it mean to be a hero? Um, But I can't really tell you what the core theme of Rise of Skywalker was, that the story was supposed to hang off. I can't can't tell you what it was meant to be.
1: I think one of the biggest issues with The Rise of Skywalker is... Palpatine told Rey, join me and we can rule the universe. And there's not a single person in the world who thought for even a second that she would accept that deal. That was not developed whatsoever. If you wanted to have a compelling story, when you have that standoff, if you want that sort of story where it's a character's like, quest through morality, you have to make it so it seems like there is a chance that they will fall to the dark side.
0: Well, I guess that's, that's one way that you could have made it interesting is that if she did, and then the story is about her and Ben on the dark side and then potentially, you know, seeing the darkness in her, he was able to to realize the error of his ways and help her to come back too. Like that would have been an interesting take that hadn't been done before. But, no, it had.
1: The prequels with Anakin,
0: there was a very
1: clear motivation for why he wanted to pursue the Darks. Okay, so the motivations got a little bit uh, iffy, because sometimes it was a quest for power, sometimes it was a quest for Padme, sometimes it was, it, I don't even know what it was a quest for, like sometimes the motivation got a little lacking. But ultimately, the reason why he did fall for the Emperor's uh, charm, or for, for Palpatine's charm, was he wanted to save Padme. And so and, and you saw the real consequences that would benefit him for why he would go that direction. We didn't see that with Rey. All we ever saw was she could do Force Lightning, and she was scared of it.
0: Well, and I think that the problem is I I think the Rise of Skywalker could have worked if that was the entire trilogy.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I could see that, or or at least the second and third movie with with a New Hope, uh, or not a New Hope with with Force Awakens being its ode to New Hope. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I can totally see that, but that's where I think that's where I think on a fundamental level it failed, because it it was trying to jam pack three movies worth of stuff into a single story, and ultimately it was trying too much. And I would probably equate it, though I don't know, though not as. Detrimental to me personally, um, I would equate it to being like the series finale to Game of Thrones.
1: That's a that's a good argument because well, no, actually, yeah, I can see it. Here, just can, just in terms I of how like it.
0: they rushed the plot is what I mean. Like it's trying to jam that. Really, what they could have done, and Disney should have been way behind this, is to say, okay, we've realised that this story can't be effectively told in just one in part, trilogy. yeah and so we're going to make this a two-parter kind of like they did with harry potter the last harry potter movie
1: and hunger games yeah i mean I, and and what they were going to do with divergent um i i believe i completely agree with that i completely agree with that strategy the reason why i hesitated with with your comparison was i felt like that Star Wars missed some of the necessary beats that Game of Thrones, at the very least, gave us. Game of Thrones rushed through them, but they, at the very least, gave us the necessary beats to say this, this, and this happened, and therefore it equals this. Star Wars, it was just like... It was not it was not an equation of, of equal parts. It was this, this, and this happened, and it should equal this, but let's go here instead.
0: No, it ended. It ended up being a scavenger hunt, and actually, what I would equate it to is another Star Wars property. Um, I would equate it to being like Solo. Which
1: uh, elaborate? Yeah,
0: there was talk of Kathleen Kennedy um, meddling with Solo, and well, because she was the one that fired the original directors, and then Ron Howard came in, and it was a whole big, massive shitstorm. Um, so that all happened, but when you go into solo, it actually starts off all right, but then they head off on this heist and it goes off on this tangent. And then it sort of snaps back over to this other thing happening over here. And then it goes to this other thing and it kind of doesn't have that strong spine for the story to hang off. I mean, you also have the issue that in solo he's going through the same um, issues that he went through in the original trilogy. So it's kind of a redundant story to begin with, but it, it doesn't have a strong progression of story and apparently, so word on the street is Kathleen Kennedy meddled in The Rise of Skywalker a lot and it has the same issue. It meanders from this part to this part and then it goes off over here and it doesn't adhere to that kind of strict story progression where it's not hitting those beats. So I do wonder how much uh, is actually the fault of J.J. Abrams and how much is, and Chris Terrier, the writer, Um, because they wrote it together I wonder how much is the fault of that and how much is the fault of sort of corporate interference
1: I'm not comfortable enough to let JJ off the hook that easily just because when you take a look at his body of work he is sort of known for writing himself into corners and moving fast and loose basically he does have a tendency to do the rule of cool trope where if you keep it fast and you keep everything cool, people won't question it until you're gone.
0: Well, I think because I've actually been a fan of J.J. Abrams for a long time. I've kind of cooled on him since he's become major. Um, But one of my all-time favourite shows that I loved um, growing up was Alias. And that was like the big thing that he came out with and sort of shot him up to superstardom. And Alias was the kind of show that it kept you going and it had the hooks and everything else but it had something that i felt the sequels didn't and i i'm not 100 sure what that is but i think it's that that emotional resonance with the characters that you don't get in the sequel trilogy but one thing i will say because i enjoyed alias and i enjoyed lost um with i was about to
1: say what about Lost? Because Lo- Lost is with more. With diminishing
0: what I- returns, I enjoyed Lost, um, but both Alias. He left Alias and started Lost, and then he left Lost to go and do Star Trek or something. I think so. He never actually finished a story. So. But- couldn't you
1: argue that part of the reason he didn't finish a story was because he didn't know what to do with it. But so that's he just what that's, ran away? that's my
0: point is that this is his first time finishing a story. And it, perhaps it's the fact that as we said in our previous episode, um, you know, with Stephen King and his discovery writing, maybe that's what JJ Abrams is trying and it doesn't work for him. Cause he's King. There's only one
1: Stephen King. There is only one
0: Stephen King, but no, I, I-
1: I'd buy okay. that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I buy that. And I also think that as far as J.J. Abrams is concerned, I will put more fault on the corporation if it came down to corporation and J.J. Abrams. Just because I feel like anytime time you're paying creative people to be creative, and then you get in the way of their creativity, you become a liability. So I, I will say that if Kathleen Kennedy was meddling, I would put more of the blame on her because she should not be meddling she should be paying you you pay you delegate you pay people to perform their strengths well storytelling is, is though, not a suit strength
0: the thing is from a corporate level how the hell did they not have this planned out from the beginning
1: yeah you don't really want to wing uh a, a franchise of star wars caliber it's not like it's a a, a podcast that doesn't even have a logo yet like you, you yeah. definitely don't want to wing it
0: yeah, no, you can't, you can't like you, it, it has to come back in some kind of meaningful way. And even our conversations on the podcast are coming back in a meaningful way and coming back full circle. And then, you know, th- to, to have a massive multimillion dollar, you know, franchise that, that you're just sort of like, Oh, screw it. We'll just see how we go. We'll just wing it. It's like, did someone not think that maybe we should consider what the ending might be before we made the start? Or
1: did you just think that because it's Star Wars, its loyal fan base will buy whatever shit you put out as long as you add on an amusement park?
0: Well, that's just it, isn't it? I guess <laughs> it's it's maybe that maybe that was the the thought process. But like surely, because they said, um, I think J.J. Abrams said it, and I don't buy it for a second, but he said that Palpatine was always on the cards as returning. And I was like, if that was the case, that should have been the last shot that you saw in the last Jedi. But it was
1: absolutely, absolutely. You needed to see the big bad before the final movie,
0: because this was something that I had heard of. And I was, I choose to ignore this, (laughs) but apparently the opening line where it says the dead speak is making reference to Palpatine's debut in Fortnite." and i choose to ignore that i choose to believe that that happens in an expanded universe book because i don't want a major event like the return of palpatine happening in fortnite yeah that's that's like
1: what's his face the the director who did southland tales that's that's like him saying hey we're going to release southland tales which is chapters 4 5 and 6 and you have to go. And actually, you know what? It's even more casual than that because at least he released the graphic novels under the same name. It would have been like if he released the information that you needed to know to prepare yourselves for Southland Tales on an episode of SpongeBob.
0: Yeah, well, because that's the thing. It's 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 not even because like you know there are stories that are disjointed, like um, Final Fantasy fifteen that had a very disjointed story. You know, it had two different anime miniseries. It had a book, a movie, a video game. To get the whole story, you've got to go through all of them, but at least they are branded as Final Fantasy 15. With this, you've got to go to a completely different um, intellectual property that, that a lot of Star Wars fans aren't interested in. Like, I don't play Fortnite. It no, just seems it, like a terrible idea.
1: It's, a str- it's, it's streamers. It's, it's esports streamers. It's a completely different market.
0: Yeah. It just, it seems like a terrible idea. So I choose to believe that that's in some expanded universe book somewhere. And I don't have to worry about that. Cause that's, that's, that's how I managed to, to figure that out.
1: <laughs> Fair play. No, I, I, I really think that, I mean, ultimately just to tie it back into storytelling, you need to establish your big bad before the final movie. Um, if I guess the one thing. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that the last uh, Jedi is probably the best in the second in the new trilogy. Um, I the don't one get thing why I, so many
0: people hate it. Like I understand, you know, Holdo talking down to Poe and whatever else. But that's what made Poe the most interesting character is because he had growth. Because he he started out one way and then he realized the error of his ways and became. A, a better person and a better leader for it. And that's why, and that's why so many people, when they say, Oh, star Wars hates men and they carry on about it. And I'm like, but Leia handed the resistance to Poe, who is a exactly man. like and- if they hated it, she would have handed the resistance to Leia uh, to um, Ray, who yeah. is exactly what happened in the last movie. But,
1: it but not, not really, I
0: suppose, because he, when Leia died, um, Poe was put in as as acting leader. Um, Would have been better if he would have made like the actual leader of the resistance. But so he kind of was. But you know, it it, it's the reason why I would say Poe is my favorite character. Um, Finn is the most underutilized character, uh, and such a high feeling. Ray is only good because of Daisy Ridley. Um, But anyway, that's my thoughts. So yeah, I guess moving on to talking about star wars and the rise of skywalker or the sequel trilogy of the rise of skywalker um how would you have fixed it if you were given that monumental task
1: fuck i don't think i honestly don't think i could how would i fix it i would get a better writer than myself uh that would that would be the first thing i do (laughs) I, i i would get a writer who's infinitely better than myself and honestly i i would just i would continue the expansion of or the exploration of the characters from the Last Jedi.
0: That's exactly um, what I would have done.
1: I think that they—I mean, don't get me wrong—I think that establishing Poe's backstory in the third movie wasn't a horrible idea. I would have liked it to have maybe come sooner, because they—or or at the very least, like, not have introduced all of these new characters. I think—not—not even—I think it's just common knowledge. that that was completely rushed. How does whatever her name is go from Zory Bliss?
0: Sh- how does she
1: go from, I'm going to shoot you in the head to here, take this token. It's my only escape from this planet in well, five I, minutes.
0: She does. And then there was a moment too, where I felt it was a bit forced, but it didn't have to be was when she's on the ground and she's pointing a gun at Ray and Ray's pointing a lightsaber at her. And she says, for what it's worth, I think you're all right. And she's like, it means a lot or something. And I was like, yeah, but that's just that interaction wasn't earned.
1: And And that's pretty much it. Like, as far as like, what would I have done? Um, I don't know. I prop not that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would have done
0: anything but that. <laughs> like,
1: I, like I really think for one, as you brought up earlier. I mean, honestly, if I wanted to make it an interesting uh, movie i would have just followed finn i would have dove so deep into finn's backstory i want to know everything about finn he's the most underutilized character in this franchise we do not have another character who comes close to a dissenter or or a deserter in the empire or, or in this case it's the first order that's the other thing i probably would have done too i think it's a little ridiculous that The republic failed so drastically that it allowed the first order to get that kind of power to become a legitimate threat and essentially replace the empire within the lifetime of the original resistance like that's total bullshit it should have been a fringe group that might that probably should not like i think that essentially what could have happened is the first order should have been a fringe group in a separatist uh system or something like that that no one really cares about and they just don't take seriously because they're so fringe. And maybe it's almost like if you based it on imperial japan they they're in like this area that's not resource rich whatsoever so you're asking yourselves what could you possibly do to us you're you're desperate you're expanding too fast you don't have the resources to survive and your military is not that great of a threat and then if you wanted to continue down that uh, route of, of basically basing them on imperial japan they could then do a surprise attack
0: yeah, and and I guess that's that would have made for a really interesting um, dynamic because because they're not in power the way that the Empire was because the Empire was always it was strategically um, planned by Sheev Palpatine and it never at any point was the underdog whereas if you made the First Order a, a you know ragtag fringe group um, and they underestimated me it would totally explain why they were able to just say, well, bam, now we're going to, you know, destroy your entire system of politics, both figuratively and literally the planet system of politics. Um, That's the
1: other thing too. I'm sorry. You mean to tell me that they blew up the like five planets and it just had no impact on the glo- on like the intergalactic economy. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Would well, you know,
0: Do you know something else? Do you know something else? Just before I quickly forget, um, I did see a video where someone was explaining something and I thought, I never even thought about that, right? When they do that and when they destroy the system, that planet had to not originally be there or else they would have seen it. And in which case, how did it get there? And secondly, when um, Finn sees it, in the sky um surely he's in the same system and they would have blown up that planet too it's
1: just one of those things where it's like it's one of those things, just... but,
0: but that's the thing like it's one of those things that i i didn't think about it until someone pointed it out but i'm like yeah that doesn't make any sense and apparently it's because in in some some encyclopedia book or something it was saying that the the planet can move or something and i was like yeah but it would have to move at like light speed for that to work
1: it makes no sense. And as far as like, I just, what I mean by destroying, like, can we just assume that in the star Wars galaxy, a planet is pretty much the equivalent of a country. Yeah. So you mean to tell me they just destroyed the equivalent of like five major countries in a matter of seconds. And that's just, like, like, what does that accomplish other than you will listen to us by fear? Like, I'm sorry. Chances are, as I said before, un- unless you're sitting on some incredible resources back home, which I don't think... Well, I simultaneously know you are, but I don't know how you are. And I don't know how the Republic has ignored those resources either. You mean to tell me you just blew up five of the most resource-rich planets just to make a message? Like, that makes no sense to me and it also just makes no sense how the republic could fail that drastically to let the first order gain that kind of power I, that that is the first change i would have made to this to the sequel trilogy i would have made the first order a fringe militant group
0: well i guess that, that and the other thing is when you look at the system of government like i understand you have um coruscant and that's meant to be your political you know home world but when you've got the Hosnian system, that's meant to be the new Coruscant or whatever else. Cause it's like the same thing, but more planets um, and that's fine. But surely when you set up these intergalactic governments, surely you don't just have the government on one planet or like one system, even like surely you would have, you know, consulates and embassies and and things like that for different areas inside of other areas. Like,
1: they addressed that in the first star wars a new hope the one of the first scenes where we see where, where we uh we see vader with the exception of like yeah. the opening and he scene. says
0: the last you know remnants of the
1: republic have been yeah. ta- taken care of now it's local governors like even even just the throwaway lines in george lucas's star wars did more for world building than an entire movie in this new tr- in this new trilogy because we saw the same thing in the prequels i'm sorry to get to like get so excited by this but in the prequel, get get excited um. when they're leaving the planet with anakin or no not with anakin when they're leaving the the planet and they land on anakin's planet when they land on tatooine they actually have to have a conversation of is it better to crash land in um a hut territory or a separatist territory yeah and that's some solid world building right there because now you're just like oh shit so so there's the republic there's the separatists and then there are the huts where it's like these gangster run planets. We don't, we don't get that with the, with this new star Wars. We know the Republic exists and we know the first order exists. And
0: which I guess is something that I have to say is probably a weakness across the board with the sequel trilogy is the world building. Like even the last Jedi, even though I enjoy the last Jedi, when you look at it, the places that you go to, for example, um, act with Luke, And Ray, they're the only real living creatures there except for those fish nun things. And they didn't really do anything except for provide laughs. So you didn't really have a lot of world building there. Then you had... um, They were funny though. They were (laughs) hilarious. They were hilarious. Um, But then you had the... The salt planet of crate, but aside from those crystal foxes, they, there was no life there to give culture to it. and then you had: You didn't see any water
1: either. like where, where Where are they drinking from? We just saw salt well, did, they're, they're, did crystal, they drink?
0: they're aliens yeah. made out of crystal. I suppose they could just not drink. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but the other one, the only one that really sort of started that process of world building was um, what was it called? canto bite and that was the one that felt terrible
1: <laughs> which is funny because it was also probably the most important
0: which is yeah and that's and that's the thing i guess is that that i felt that was probably trying to do a couple of things when it should have just tried to do one
1: yeah it it was it was dragged on way too like the only purpose of canto bite was to introduce us to Benicio del Toro's character so that... Who Finn, I
0: felt was kind of redundant, but... He, 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 was, he was a trope. He, he, he,
1: he was a non-fleshed-out trope.
0: But and he his, was redundant it, in the end, too. Like, if he had not been there, that whole mission was kind of redundant. Like, I understand the theme of, you know, learning from failure and, and stuff like that. Like, I get that. But the, but the actual character of... Um, what was his name? I can't remember his name.
1: Joe del Toro. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 the DJ.
0: Yeah. That was his name. But but that whole character there, he code breaker. Yeah. But he was redundant. Whereas I I think, I feel you. I think what they should have done um, is had, and I think I've said this to you before is had uh, Ray was learning from Luke. Poe was learning from Leia, and then brought in um, Lando because you're in a casino anyway. And I feel like that's perfect for lando the
1: introduction of lando there would have been perfect because then it would have also made more sense to have him back in the third movie well
0: and thematically they all would have been together um as you know one new hero is learning a different lesson about what it means to be a hero from one of the older cast members from the originals. Like that would have thematically tied the whole thing together. And I think it would have made Canto Byte a lot more relevant. But it's just the fact that a lot of stuff that happens in Canto Byte, it's like, well that really didn't need to happen at all, did it?
1: No, I I completely agree. It was drawn out and it it completely I like how you set it up because then it creates a very strong rule of three. Um it's it's that's a very satisfying each character has a mentor from the original trilogy. And it lines up perfectly uh, as it was, it was just sort of awkward with two men. Each character like, had two mentor figures.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, the Canto Byte stuff was okay, but it wasn't really noteworthy is, is what I would say. It, like it, it kind of drags the rest of the movie down and stops it from being um, that much better. Um, I think the other thing that I would have done with the Canto Byte stuff is I would have just kept it to, um, talking about slaves because obviously Finn was a slave to the first order and clearly something happened with Rose as well. Um, And then that would have been a way for them to bond and it would have potentially freed up some time for them to actually do something because they kind of didn't do anything. And and I think that's the thing that the, um, what's her name I see, I'm drawing a blank on the names now. Um, Kelly Marie Tran, um, she did a great job, but she kind of didn't have a lot to work with. Um, and that's why I kind of feel like if they use that time less so to put in issues of talking about slavery, talking about wealth and excess, which ironically is coming from the Disney corporation, um, And then talking about, you know, animal cruelty and, like, there was so many issues that they were hitting at once. If they would have freed up a little bit of that time to delve into the characters a little bit more and shown something, because I saw a a thing on Reddit that was really interesting and I thought that would have made a really great story, is when they're talking about Finn as a character, you know, he's a defected stormtrooper. So these are, like, his brethren, the stormtroopers. And I'm like, they they were saying that there should have been a plotline about him saving as many stormtroopers and getting them out of the clutches of the first order as he could. And I'm like, that would have been amazing because it would have been a great progression for him as a character, because he's not just like, yeah, let's kill all the stormtroopers. Cause it's like, he was one, these are people he grew up with. And that just would have added a little bit of depth to his character.
1: I think you're touching on a really important point, which is exposition should tie into characterization, or it not not that it should, but tying exposition in with characterization is a really powerful tool.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree.
1: And it's also just a really effective vehicle to deliver exposition. Um, I was just watching a video on it just the other day. And an example of it was the description of Harry Potter when we're first introduced to him. And instead of listing how he looks, each detail of his appearance is tied to a different piece of exposition, like that he's lanky, um, but he lives in a closet. So it's, it's good. Or the, like he lives in the, in like the little closet under the stairs. So, you know, him being lanky makes sense because he's stuck in the small space all day and he's not taken uh he's not taken care of her, or his, his family, the Dursleys don't take care of him because he looks even skinnier because he's in extra baggy clothes. Every detail about his appearance is coupled with a piece of exposition.
0: Yeah. And, and that's comes back to what we were talking about last time in, in the other episode as well about, um, you know, the, the notion of um, show don't tell and how you can use that to create a story. And that's where you can, you can use that, in a way that feels organic rather than trying to in a really mechanical clunky way show everything but it kind of drags the story down
1: like if you say she has incredibly bushy hair that she has to tie back so it doesn't get into her baked goods that she delivers to the church every sunday that tells you her appearance You could add a little bit more details to her hair as well if you would like. You could even say like what she ties it back with if it's a a bow that she got from her mom or something. But it also then gives you characterization through exposition. You know what she looks like. You also know she's the kind of person who's donating baked goods that she's personally making to a church. It's it's making
0: sure that it's all organic and relevant.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then you can add even more details to make it to like really make it rich but ultimately if you're tying exposition with organic details as you're saying if you're, tying ex- if you're tying exposition with characterization at the very least you know you're offering depth to an important character and it will pay off eventually
0: and that's one thing that you, you and i have discussed many many times that um finn was the most criminally underutilized character across the entire trilogy like criminally
1: underutilized
0: criminally yeah and and because he he offered so much in terms of a bridge between you know the the dark side and the light you know he he offered that bridge and that would have been something that would have been amazing to explore in the rise of skywalker that perhaps he came across you know a troop that he was a part of, and he was able to turn them against the first order. And that was part of the downfall of the first order is that he was able to persuade people who had been brainwashed into doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. And then that also would have given him more of a purpose than just like being in between. Fawning over
0: Ray and Poe and being kind of in love with them both.
1: It, it, It was, it was a love triangle. It was absolutely a love triangle. But um, it was like
0: a love triangle, but they never did anything with it.
1: Yeah. It, it, it was also an awkward love triangle. Cause like Ray and Finn, it, it's like, you know what it was? It wasn't a love triangle. It was like a sibling not agreeing or, or not approving of your significant other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that.
1: Uh, yeah. And then your significant other also not approving of your sibling. So
0: yeah. like that, 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 <laughs> it's <laughs> just, just keeps going round and round. Um, <laughs> But one thing I think, you've just made me think of something else. One thing I think would, that would have changed the entire trilogy and if they're trying to replicate the original Star Wars, they should have done this, is when these three characters are interacting in The Rise of Skywalker, they haven't been interacting really throughout the other two movies. Like Finn obviously knew Rey And that was fine. But they were separated throughout the entire second movie. And Poe didn't meet Ray until the very, very end of the second movie. They should have been together and forming those friendships because, like, the dynamic between the actors felt fine in The Rise of Skywalker. It felt good. Um, But Poe is hilarious. From a writing standpoint, them being friends doesn't work as well as. Do you know what I would actually put it down to? It's kind of like the, in episode two, when we're just expected to believe that Obi-Wan and Anakin are friends and yet all they ever do is argue.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I completely see, I mean, the other thing I can just point that that reminds me of is being told constantly that Poe was a great pilot, but not necessarily seeing it um that frequently. Uh, so, so I, I definitely think that that's another detail that could that could have been fleshed out. That's just a random tangent, though. Um, as far as your example, though, of of like friendships, I completely agree. Um, anytime you have a power trio, which is a popular trope, they meet each other immediately, or not immediately, but very early on in the first. It'd book, usually, it'd
0: usually be shortly after the inciting incident. So, like the first, like just after the first quarter of the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of examples that don't follow that. It's like
0: mm.
1: Legolas, Aragorn, and, uh, and Gimli become a power trio after the Fellowship breaks up. Um, so, but that's, that's like not a good example because they become a Fellowship. Like, I mean, the power duo is always Frodo and Sam, and they're together from the very beginning. Um,
0: but it would be like if Ron, Hermione, and Harry met, e- met each other... Well, no, because really you're talking about a a seven book series. Like it'd be like if they, they didn't fully get together and be friends until the Deathly Hallows. Like it just doesn't make any sense.
1: No sense whatsoever. No, you're right. It's just like, and there's no way that you can then believe the power of friendship.
0: (laughs) And and I guess, and I guess I know they have developed that friendship off camera, but that's kind of a lazy way out.
1: Especially if you haven't actually like, I don't know. Was Star Wars resistance running? Um, throughout this entire uh trilogy or is that, is that somewhat new
0: so you mean the the animated one
1: yeah because yeah. so the, that, like,
0: that came out just before the last jedi i think okay because it's not wrong
1: to rely no it's, it's you definitely want your movies to be able to stand on their own i don't think it's wrong to have additional resources to enrich the experience but I don't think that was as easily accessible either. Um, now it's easily accessible because of Disney Plus, but it was not easily accessible before. No. Um, you know what? I mean, I'll just say it like this: I I think I am ready for Star Wars to f- take some time off from the big screen and really develop its universe in the small screen.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm happy for that too. I'm also happy for them to make movies. I think that they just need to now move away from the Skywalker saga, like move into new stories that are looking, and, and they're doing that with the books. There's the high Republic series of talking about an era that no one's really talked about before. And so I'm happy to, to delve into books about that. I think it's just, I think, do you know what? I think it'd be really cool going way, way back with limited technology but obviously still lightsabers and blasters and a few other things and just seeing star wars from that different perspective almost almost like a not quite a steampunk aesthetic but a, a different era where they didn't have as much technological advancement you know it would just provide a completely different view of star wars and that well, universe
1: that's the other thing about the prequels that I fucking love that I don't think that the new trilogy did well. Um, I, I don't mean to be one of those star Wars fans that looks longingly on the prequels. Cause they obviously had their warts, but the world building in the prequels was fantastic. Like the tech, like the small details to technology and the developments that then you see in the, in the original series it's brilliant when obi-wan kenobi is flying out to the planet with the clones and he has to like fly his ship into that ring attachment to enter light speed like that's such it's such a small detail but it makes all the difference in the world
0: yeah no it's it's that attention to detail whereas i guess it it, as we've discussed it's fair to say that they don't they didn't really do that in in the sequel trilogy in in any of them really you didn't have i guess the closest you came to. World building was Jakku, like, like
1: uh, in the first movie.
0: Yeah, where Ray came from. Like, I feel yeah. like there was a bit of world building going on in there. There was stories that were cut, and I feel like that they should have been left in. Like, there was a character, Constable Zuvio, who was this alien um, policeman in Jakku, and like, I feel like setting up different law enforcement and stuff like that could have made it could have helped distinguish it between Jakku and Tatooine because obviously there are a lot of similarities that you're starting out in the desert. Now, and I know that that's a strategic plan too, because visually it makes the movies very similar. And that obviously sets off people's nostalgia, but I, I just think he, it would have made a nice differentiation that it is, a, that it is as much as it's um, similar to Tatooine in some ways, it would then make it like a law abiding desert planet, uh, even though they've got criminals and things on there it 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 would have changed the dynamic a little bit and would have built more into the world building. but they didn't do that because it wasn't important apparently
1: <laughs> so I, I don't necessarily know how I would go about fixing the rise of Skywalker with the exception of just advancing the established themes that were brought up in the last Jedi because ultimately, I think what the third trilogy or not the third trilogy, yeah, no what the third trilogy with the with the latest trilogy uh failed at was um it did not have a brand it did not have they did not sit down and give it a mission statement it does not serve a purpose with the exception of making money um it does not have a clear identity i mean the ryan johnson movie got a lot of hate but if they continued with it at the very least it would have stood for something it would have had a, a decent identity um you you could have like really you you could have hung your hat on certain elements of a story and character development
0: well i I think
1: advanced
0: i think as much as um he did undercut a lot of stuff that happened in the force awakens uh and and i can completely understand why people wouldn't like that because it seems like it's like yeah no i'm not interested in that i'll throw that out i'll I'll get rid of that but then i mean jj abrams did the same with rose um but if they'd have followed that trajectory that the last Jedi had kind of set up, which in fairness, and this is a slight tangent here, but the last Jedi, aside from leaving it open a little bit, the last Jedi kind of feels like a last chapter. It probably actually feels more like a last, a final chapter than the rise of Skywalker did. But if they had followed that trajectory that was left, um, which is probably a little bit hard because really they didn't leave any threads. It wasn't like they said, Hey, here's Palpatine, you know, for you to, to stave you over until the next movie, there was really nothing left for people to say, Oh, I can't wait to see this. It was kind of just wrapped up and done. Um, But if you were going to follow that, I think it could have been a nice progression that Ray in the first movie is obsessed with identity and who she is and the family she comes from. And then she discovers that there's not some big you know family that she's attached to she is a nobody and if she in the third movie had realized that being a nobody doesn't mean that you can't make a contribution if that was the theme of the third movie there would have been sort of a thematic cohesion to the three movies at least in my mind that's what would have worked
1: no that makes perfect sense she wants to find her family because she thinks that they, they, they were destined for greatness. She realizes that they were nothing. And then she realized, she accepts her station in life and where she comes from and goes on to do great things despite coming from nothing. I, I and see, that's, I see and that that's the thing pressure. too,
0: that, that it could even just be down to a single theme of, you know, family can be found. It doesn't have to be someone that you're born into. Like it doesn't uh, I just to... wrote
1: a book about that theme. Like
0: There you go. I, and I can guarantee me, you it was better one. than The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> It's
1: it, it's it's a fantastic theme. There's nothing wrong with that theme. Um, when I think of, so here's the thing too. I, I hear a lot of people complaining about Ryan Johnson because he hated Star Wars. That's a legitimate criticism, but it's not his fault. All his only crime was accepting a high paying job. Like if you want to get mad at anyone, you got to get mad at Disney for his decision to to hire someone who wanted to drastically change the story. And then you have to accept those consequences and see it through to the end.
0: But the irony is that they didn't actually change it as drastically as everyone says. Everyone says that they changed it so drastically, but there's actually quite a few similarities between The Last Jedi and The Empire Strikes Back.
1: All right, let's hear it. Cause Empire, it's funny you say that cause Empire Strikes Back when I was just, I, I read and I heard from a YouTube video and I'm totally blanking on which one. Empire Strikes Back is everyone's favorite Star Wars movie. But when it first came out, it was everyone's like, everyone hated everyone it. Hated right, it. Not everyone.
0: Yeah. everyone hated it because they got to the end and they're like, um, where's the second half of the movie? They hated it because they didn't like that it ended and didn't tell them what was going to happen. They had to wait for the next movie. They were pissed about that. Um, which is funny because people don't remember that when they're talking about The Last Jedi. But I guess I would say it's the same in the respect that there's, there's that big, you know, they talk about, oh, you know, there's this big space chase that goes on for half the movie. Well, that happened um, <laughs> in Empire Strikes Back when Leia and Han are escaping from Hoth. And then, you know, oh, well, you know, Le- um, I keep saying Leia. Ray is stuck in, um, uh, sorry, Luke is, uh, no, I'll start with the sequels. Ray is stuck, you know, on an island being trained. Well, Luke was stuck in a swamp being trained by Yoda. And then, you know, they, they leave that against the advice of the mentor and head into the big confrontation. And then it kind of turns into a return of the Jedi a little bit, but, um, but there's a lot, in there that happens that is the same as the empire strikes back. So for all the talk that it's, that it's so game changing and it's so different um, and it's too different. I I'm, I'm not sure I buy into that. And that's
1: totally fair. I can, I can absolutely see the comparisons now that you pointed them out to me. The other thing that I think the last shed I did really well was it answered some of those necessary storytelling questions specifically like no not not specifically but those those necessary storytelling questions for main characters of what they want and what they need because that's going to be what their growth is like if you take a look at what poe wants in the last jedi and what he needs in the last jedi they're, they're, they're competing against each other he wants to be a hero he wants to be that hothead pilot who can fix things with his ship with his blasters with 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 violence but he needs to be a leader. Uh, uh, yeah, a leader. He needs to be a leader. He needs to learn patience. He, he needs to learn that there are options outside of hopping in a ship and blowing things up.
0: Which uh, is fair, and I don't think that yeah. that reduces him to this archetype of you know, the angry men's rights activist that everyone seems to make him out to be. I, I don't think that that does that. And you know, I think that people invent a lot of drama around these things because they they just love complaining. Um, but one thing I will say in terms of, of positives for the sequel trilogy, um, one thing I think that The Last Jedi did really, really well that the others didn't do as well is scene weaves. I think The Last Jedi did a really great job f- in, in building that, that um, tension and anticipation between scenes. For example, um, when Ray talks to Luke... Um, and, and he's trying to convince him to come back. And he's like, no, no, piss off. I'm not interested. They, they have that moment where, you know, Chewie comes in and he's like, oh, Chewie, you know, Hey, how you going? And then he's like, wait a minute, where's Han? And then it cuts to Kylo. Those things are done exceptionally well.
1: And I, I mean that, well, that's pacing. Right, that, 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 that would fall into the category of pacing, I believe.
0: Yeah, but that, that is something that, that was done exceptionally well that wasn't done as well in the other two movies. And there was one scene that I really wish they had, they had kept in it because um, I think it would have just been so great and it would have worked so well, was after Ray had sort of left Luke alone for a moment, after he realised that Han was dead, he sat down and was sad and sort of, you know, put his head in his hands or something. And then it cuts to Leia on the ship with her head in her hands. And then she looks up. I'm like, that is just like a perfect smooth transition. And that's part of the reason why I think the rise of Skywalker doesn't work is because it's told in so many different segments, but they don't blend together.
1: Yeah. It's sort of like uh, the notes towards the end of my book with Montgomery. She was like, Sorry, a lot's going on and you don't have a consistent point of view. You need to pick one of these ideas and stick with it through the scene.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that, and that can be easier said than done when you're writing. And I understand that. And I fully appreciate that. But, you know, I think that's, that's, I guess my takeaway would be, you know, even if you wanted to leave the story the way that it was, and I fully appreciate that there were lots of different factors that stopped them from telling certain stories, but Um. If you wanted to tell the story, you just needed to keep it focused. If it was focused, it would have been fine. I'm not saying it would have been the best movie ever, but it would have been a lot better. It was very unfocused.
1: But why Why was it made? Let's go back to that question. What, what was its why? point? Why? Yeah, why? why? Like, uh, <laughs> like a child, I would just,
0: why? I would,
1: I would just say money at this point in time. Uh, well, I think
0: and, that that's, that's a fair call, but... Um, <laughs> I think it could have.
1: And it's not even bad to have that as a call because you know I what, understand though? needing to make money.
0: Do you know what though? I, I actually saw a video and I don't know how true it is, but it was a video talking about the proposed ending and what would have happened if Kathleen Kennedy wasn't getting involved. And I know that people jump on that bandwagon so much, so you can take it with a grain of salt, but it sounds like it could be real to me. Um, the The story was that, if she wasn't getting involved, the original vision that JK, at JK Rowling, <laughs> JJ Abrams had um, was to have like, cause you know how Ben brought Ray back and it was a whole thing. The original notion behind that was apparently meant to be that Luke, Leia and Anakin were there with him and helping him, Bring her back, and I feel like even just that tiny little difference would have made a huge impact on the story because it would have brought it back full circle. And it would have been not just, oh, uh, you know, we have to bring Ray back because you know, Ray and then everyone will be happy that Ray and Kylo got together for two seconds before he died, but instead of doing that, it would have come full circle. It would have been the original trilogy characters. It would have, or the original trilogy Skywalkers. It would have been the prequel trilogy Skywalkers. It would have brought the whole thing full circle in a way that it just didn't do because they didn't include that. Yeah. Because I mean, word on the street is according to this incredible, uh, sorry, incredibly credible source. um, Word on the street is that Kathleen Kennedy said, no, it needs to be more about Ray which, I mean, I could believe. Um, but in doing so and making it simply about Ray and not tying it back, when you've spent so long making callbacks to the original and prequel trilogies, I feel like the payoff wasn't as great.
1: I completely agree. It's If she wanted it, honestly, if she wanted it to be Ray's story, they probably should have set it another few decades in the future so that all the original cast... We're, we're we're dead in that universe
0: yeah, because long distant memory.
1: At this point in time, it's almost like so. You wanted them for fan service. You didn't want them to have a genuine impact.
0: No, a- and and to be honest though, obnoxious. I have to I have to say they are my favorite part of the new movies. Um, Which is fair. I'm, I'm not so trying to. I, so I am very, I am totally yeah. glad that they did put them in. But I wish. They had done more. But then, in saying that, I do understand, and I know I've said it before, but I do understand that Carrie Fisher passed away. And so it made her role difficult um, to pull off because she wasn't there. Um, so I, I fully appreciate that they had that task to tackle. Um, but, like, to me, to me, one of the best and the most emotional scenes in all of Star Wars, be it books, movies, animated series, everything, is in The Last Jedi when Luke and Leia reunite. That is a terrific scene. It is brilliantly acted. It's so well written. I think it was actually improved a little bit by Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Um, but it was just done so well. And that's why I was like, if we'd have had a moment like that at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, it would have potentially not fixed it but it would have it would have gone a long way
1: so i think two things one the original cast can be your favorite part of the new trilogy and they could also be part of the problem because you can't tell me that even though they're your favorite part of what is currently the final product that doesn't mean that it would have made for a better story without them because then they would have had to change so much it's not it's not like just telling the exact same story without them it it would have completely changed every part of the story
0: it would have absolutely
1: um so oh well that's my first point and then um i actually am sort of blanking on what my second point was but that, that was my first point of that they would just have to completely change the story and therefore even though they are your favorite part uh of the movies they could also have still been a hindrance on the overall potential of the story
0: they could have and and i think they were probably an overall hindrance to the fans reaction as well like because that was the big thing about the last jedi was like oh you've changed luke too much he's he's not the same character and i thought well it's been like 700 years so like surely he's changed and he's probably become a little bit bitter because everything he fought for has now come back full circle and they're back again they just got a different name so i can totally see why he would be bitter
1: i still stand by that they need that they should not have made the first order as grand and powerful as they were no i i
0: I didn't think about it until you'd mentioned it but i totally agree it eliminates
1: everything that the uh that uh, the rebels did in, um, in the original trilogy. If, well, if they were able to come back in their lifetime, it eliminates all of the work they did.
0: But it's also just a rehash. Whereas if they were a fringe group, it would give them a different dynamic.
1: Completely different. They could, they could have done, as I mentioned, as I mentioned in the original example, they could have done, we're a militant group, but we're starved for resources. And like, essentially we're conscripting everyone within our systems to be in this military and then you also have this whole thing of are they using child soldiers what's that dynamic like that might be a little too dark for disney but at the very least it does like my point is if they're a fringe group and they're entirely driven by military and they're on a resource desert that's that's an that's a far more interesting dynamic than a rehash of the empire with no explanation of how the empire came to be in existence like that's exactly right Yeah. Snoke didn't work his way up the Galactic or the the Republic to become high chancellor.
0: Yeah. He wasn't in a position of power. He was just someone.
1: He just was Snoke. It's like, okay. So he became, he became Palpatine because he's powerful. Palpatine was powerful and still worked up. So he dedicated his entire life to reaching the highest station in the Republic before betraying it.
0: Which I will say, um, that is only contingent on the the prequels. If you look at the original one, he's just kind of powerful and always has been.
1: But still then, if you want to just go that route, then it's just that we still fall back on the, why are you doing this? It's just a rehash. That's and even right. worse, no, it's a exactly. rehash in their lifetimes.
0: Exactly. And that's why I think one thing I will say, you know, in terms of being positive, I do think that they did a good job, um, Oh no, sorry, not that they did a good job. They had potential to do a good job with using the child soldiers angle, like enslaving kids and making them soldiers of the first order. That is a really interesting angle. They didn't use it, but that, that is something that could have been different to the empire.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because the empire used... Well, did the Empire use clones? I'm I'm blanking. Or did the clones no longer exist by the time like the, the Empire clones came? So
0: from? they created the galactic imperial army with clones, and then by the time they became the Empire, it it was just people. Which was which was Got the it. really funny thing that so many nerds arced up that Finn was black as a stormtrooper. And I was like, you do realize that the Stormtroopers weren't clones in the original trilogy anyway. So like if you were a mega fan, you would kind of know that. But again, people love drama. People love to complain. So, I'm no weird.
1: mega fan. <laughs> I, I, just, I just watched them casually. Um, I remember what my previous point was going to be too. I think that another change they had to make to the trilogy, and I think I said it before, I had seen this in a video once too, and it made perfect sense to me, was they needed to make the dark side seductive. They needed to show... That essentially, if, if they wanted to have this big reveal that Rey is a Palpatine, uh, she probably should have been seduced by the dark side. She was terrified of it. She thought her, her only experience with the dark side was genuinely believing she killed Chewie. Under what circumstances is that going to be? two se- minutes. Sur- yeah. And that was the other thing too. They, they, there was no tension in it. Like all of no, the, all,
0: they, all of they, they alleviated it as soon as they'd created it. But I guess in, in terms of her turning to the dark side, they totally could have done that in, in terms of getting the answer. Like I know who your family is and you have to come with me and follow me down the dark side to, to find out who your family is. Done.
1: Exact, exactly. Done. Find find out your family by going down the dark then side. Then it
0: gives her a motivation and a reason for why she's doing it which again you know there's that why why why
1: <laughs> or saving your family or bringing them back to life yeah just giving her a clear motivation that aligns with following the dark side will get you there because you need to make the dark side seductive it's one of it's, it's one of the one la, 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 I speak english good <laughs> it's one of the only rules of the dark side it has to be seductive
0: well and that's the thing the, the dark side is kind of like the easy way out And that could have been a perfect easy way out for her that I know who you are. And that's the thing that like Palpatine says, you know, she's not who you think. So, okay. So he can start contacting Ray and sending her visions of, you know, snippets and stuff like that. And it's like, you want to know more, come and join me. And then maybe she does.
1: And the other thing is she probably should not have been able to defeat uh, Kylo Ren immediately. She obviously needed to defeat him eventually, but like, just basic rule of three: have her get her ass kicked the first time, have her show great improvement but still lose, but get in some good shots the second time, and then have her win the third time.
0: But that's the thing, and that's where I've said this before, and and, and I said I'm not even bashing Ray because as a character, she works, I love
1: Daisy Ridley. She works because her. of Daisy Ridley.
0: She did a great job. She did a terrific job, and and she works because of her. But on a writing level, she's never confronted with failure and she's never confronted with defeat and so many people will people have said this to me on youtube before they're like she's failed plenty of times and i was like when because i don't recall any times when she did every time she's fought someone every time she's you know got into a battle with someone or something she won or at the very least she had the upper hand before the battle was stopped
1: no and and that's that's pretty much it we did not see how she responded to failure she 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 didn't earn much um no, and
0: then that's the thing like everyone says about luke and they're like oh no she's basically exactly the same as Luke." And i'm like no she's not because luke did fail many times
1: he he lost in the second movie that's He's right just, he, he, he he got his arm cut off he, and lost he, it. he was like and he, he lost he, a and hand he ran away. <laughs> And 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 he and he ran away with his tail tucked between his legs. Um, he he definitely did, he he won in the first movie, but not because of his um, ability with a lightsaber. It, it like the first movie, everything was leading up to him finally trusting the Force. We saw him learning and failing with like the drone. We saw him sort of like haphazardly saving the princess. I mean, I can definitely see that Luke obviously had some passes it's not like he was chopped down to his darkest and most vulnerable moment in the first movie uh we that that's for the second movie um but ray never got anywhere close to that she she fell into the dark side and she had this like cool visual in the last jedi of her in the dark side and confronting herself
0: yeah but she um, never she never actually like went anywhere with that
1: Yeah. Other than just being like a cool appearance or or a cool aesthetic, it didn't, it didn't really add much to
0: her. Well, and that's the thing. And that's probably part of the reason why I said the last Jedi felt like a final act because she won. Whereas if she'd have lost, and I know that the resistance was in a really terrible place, but she saved them and because she saved them and she didn't fail at any point. That's why I feel like the last Jedi kind of feels like a last chapter in the trilogy
1: because if, I th- think that's fair,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I think if you were to look at something like um, the first confrontation or the first real confrontation between Voldemort and um, Harry Potter, he doesn't succeed. His friend is killed. And then in the next confrontation he has, he almost succumbs to the dark side, but then he is rescued. Like, yeah, wait, he doesn't save this. himself out.
1: Let's let's actually go through this and flesh it out real quick. The first confrontation is book 4. They're in yeah. the cemetery. Well, well tec-
0: technically the first confrontation is book 1, but still but the in book 1 he passes out. He passes out and then that's it. That's the end. He was rescued. Okay, yeah, you're right with Pearl. Okay, the first
1: confrontation in book 1, he he yeah, he, he passes out and he's rescued ultimately. Um he, he it, it it's it's probably the flimsiest of them all, but it's also meant for the youngest audience. By a long yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, book four is when it really turns dark and gritty and it, and it sort of advances its age range of who it's written for. He loses, he fails, he barely escapes with his life.
0: And, uh, he, I mean, and he, doesn't it, just, he doesn't just lose a battle in that book four. Someone is killed because... He gets
1: his ass kicked.
0: Yeah. The, like the person who he is with is killed. And so he has to carry that. And that comes, you know, that adds weight that comes with a whole heap of baggage for the next story. Whereas we didn't get that in the rise of Skywalker.
1: Then in book five, you're right. He's seduced by the dark side. He wants to do the cruciatus curse. Um, Voldemort completely overpowers him and he's saved by his Ben Kenobi, his, his mentor figure. That's
0: right. Yeah, he is.
1: Um, Book six, he loses in dramatic fashion again they uh draco wins dumbledore is killed uh hogwarts is ransacked hagrid's hut is set on fire snape defeats harry in a one-on-one duel he loses
0: yeah he loses and he loses hard (laughs) um i mean you know it's not to say that there aren't issues with harry potter like i mean for example the whole horcrux thing was kind of redundant and kind of didn't mean anything because then they just went after the deathly hallows and it was like well what was the point of book six end um but so, so
1: rich with characters.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why, like, I, I, you know, I'm not, I, I guess the thing is that, you know, I understand that there are faults in any story, but these ones are just a little bit too big for me, <laughs> the, the Ray character anyway.
1: No, I mean, it, it was too big for everyone. It's why they were just like, fuck it, we're going to do a MacGuffin, we're going to bring back the big bad guy, we're going to throw a planet-destroying Artillery on all of these ships. We're just going to recycle everything that's worked for us in the past and say go.
0: But you know what, though? If this, and I'm going to say something controversial, hot take that's not probably really a hot take, but if this movie had been released or this trilogy had been released in the 90s and early 2000s, like the prequels were, uh, I think it would have had a different response and I think they would have course corrected. The reason I think it failed in the current climate that we're in is because people said they weren't happy with the character of Ray. And that was translated into instantly because she's female, not because there are faults in the writing, which let's face it, she was always written by a man. So is it really a women's issue that much? But that there's talk of, you know, um, oh, it's because she's a female and they can't handle female characters. I mean, there have been strong female characters in Star Wars from the get go with Leia um, So as much as there are those people who just complain for the sake of complaining, and I get that, uh, I think because we're in such a divisive time now, it's so easy for studios to say, oh, well, yeah, it's just because they hate women. And if you like women, go and see our movie, rather than saying, oh, do you know what? Maybe we do need to add something more in this second movie to to deepen Ray's character and to make her fail. Um, If they'd have done that and course corrected a little bit, it probably would have worked better but I do feel like in the time that we're living in studios are more inclined to say it's the audience's fault, not mine.
1: Yeah. Which is an interesting take because it definitely goes against the opposite uh, call. You usually hear from business of the customer is always right. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, but then the rise of Skywalker also falls victim to that because they tried to appeal to the people who were complaining that, you know, stop diversifying star Wars while also trying to appeal to the people who are saying, please diversify star Wars. So they were trying to appeal to two groups that were trying to do two opposite things. And it obviously and didn't get, work for that reason.
1: We get that incredibly
0: brave so
1: lesbian brave. kiss. So brave. Variant. so brave. So that brave. So brave. That two second in the background that, that's easily that cut, cut, out out, cut out
0: for China. Yeah. It's so brave.
1: So brave. Does, does, so brave. I mean, and they they used it as a marketing material too. They were like, "This this Star Wars features well, <laughs> a same-sex <single> kiss."
0: <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, and, and you know, I love Disney animated movies. So, like, clearly, this is not a dig at the movie itself, um, because I love this movie. But it's like when Frozen Two came out.
1: I thought you were going to say Onward. Okay, go on. No, 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 no.
0: no. I love Onward, but um, I, I don't, love I don't Onward remember. I, oh, no, no, That's right. The gay, the gay thing. That's I the the, about, the police officer. I My girlfriend. About that. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's which so can brave. easily be changed when they <laughs> translate it into Chinese. You're so going to bra- say my boyfriend like in Chinese, so, yeah, it's so, brave. It boyfriend. so, so brave. brave. So brave, so <laughs> brave. <But, laughs> Disney, is so brave. But when I'm ta- when they're talking about Frozen two, they were like, oh, you know, the the princesses in Frozen two wear leggings, and here's why it's a big social change. And I was like, fuck off. No, it's not. <laughs> so brave. I was like, no, that's not so brave that you've put them in pants. <laughs> and also they're like, they're the first Disney princesses to wear pants. Aside from Mulan or someone it was like someone else. I was like, oh, so they're not even the first to do it. <laughs> so brave. So brave. So, brave. So, so so brave. So brave for doing
1: that. Oh god, that, that should definitely be a new um a new feature on your, on your show. You should, you should get a button or like just um, a sound effect. That's just so brave. <laughs> it's just, just to call out bullshit. Uh, <laughs> just
0: call it out. Oh, I did that button's going to get worn out within one minute of talking about anything. Um, I, I love
1: how you are so unapologetically in love with the frozen franchise. Oh,
0: I just love it. It's so good. <laughs> and that's so probably going to, that's probably going to, that is so brave. It probably is braver of me to do that than it is for them to put in a A lesbian or a um but do you think do you
1: think it's braver for you to come out as a Frozen fan than for uh, than for Star Wars to add a same sex scene in the background? I mean, it
0: was pretty. They cut for China. It. I don't know because it was pretty brave. It was so brave, (laughs) (laughs) almost as brave as putting Disney princesses in pants for the second time since the (laughs) nineties. But but it's
1: it's it's the first time that they aren't that they aren't pretending to be men. But, these, so but these,
0: might, these might be the first CGI princesses to become, to be wearing pants. So that is Brave.
1: That is wild that the movie Brave did not have a woman in, in pants because she was just running through the forest.
0: Well, wait, they, don't, a, they don't need to be Brave because it was in the title.
1: Wait, what about How to Train a Dragon? Well, no, because they weren't princesses. Never mind. And was that Disney?
0: No, that was um, DreamWorks.
1: DreamWorks is Brave so brave.
0: <laughs> so brave.
1: Uh, no, I, as far as, uh, no, sorry, you go. No, 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 you go. Well, I was just going to, I was just thinking about different uh Disney movies off the top of my head. For one, man, I I, I kind of want to see the live action Mulan, but I don't know if I want to spend 30 bucks on it.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to wait until it's on Disney Plus for free. <laughs> I,
1: I probably- <laughs> When that I, eventually well.
0: happens. Yeah, because- Because the thing is, they've done so many things that are just like so brave that that I'm just like, I don't know if they're going to make the movie better. Like, for example, there's no Shang because like she can't fall in love and be a strong independent woman because she needs to be brave. So they did that and then there's no music. It's not, it's not a musical. There's not any, there's all the songs have been cut. And I'm just like, is it going to be, which I suppose I applaud them for changing it and not just making a shot for shot remake. Like they tried with the Lion King and ultimately failed. I still haven't seen that movie, but I've heard that it is.
1: Not you've right. you've seen it. You, you, you've you seen it. if you've seen the Lion King, you've seen it.
0: It's it's the it's same the exact it's just, same it's thing just, with different it's art. It's just not as good.
1: And that's the thing too. It's it's not even that it's not as good. it's just like you see it and
0: you're like, okay,
1: so that was. Oh uh, no no no! It.
0: I I can say it's not as good, and I know I'm going to get online hate for this because you're not allowed to say anything about like Beyonce and Taylor Swift and whatever else. But I heard Beyonce and Donald Glover, who I love, singing. Um, can you feel the love tonight and it was awful
1: you couldn't feel it the was
0: love breathy terrible horrible garbage and the worst part is they were singing can you feel the love tonight in the middle of the day and i was just like that's so brave <laughs> I'm just, so so brave so, that's so, so brave. brave that's so brave to to sing a song that thematically doesn't make sense with what you no sense.
1: So, so brave it's so brave to sing about night during the daytime like
0: can you feel the love this afternoon i mean like i don't know it just doesn't make any sense so brave so brave so brave yeah but so
1: that's that's another reason why i'm probably not going to go with mulan i just i don't trust the disney live action remakes anymore
0: i i wouldn't say i've trusted them since anything but i suppose cinderella was okay it was just like a remake and the jungle book was all right um, but I think beyond that, point, the jungle
1: book got such good reviews though.
0: Yeah. Well, the jungle book was good, but beyond that point, like beauty and the beast was horrendously bad, like so bad.
1: Can we talk about for a little bit, like the careers of Harry Potter characters and how, in my opinion, okay. I, I love Emma Watson. I think she's supremely talented, but no one has done a better job of distancing themselves from Harry Potter. Like, not not distancing 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 themselves because he still is very open but about being a evolving part of Harry beyond it.
0: Is, is that's the better
1: it. word? Is Daniel Radcliffe? He has advanced his career so far since
0: he's done he, very well for himself.
1: He he's really established himself as just like.
0: But do you know where I think that comes from? And this can come back full circle to writing and the publishing industry. Is he's gone with a lot of. I mean, I wouldn't probably say fully independent movies, but a lot of smaller movies that are taking Swiss bigger Army risks. Man. Yeah, movies that are taking bigger risks. That Guns Akimbo, not that I've seen it, but he's... It it's on like...
1: Amazon Prime. I'm going to watch that this week at some but point that, when I But, but time. that's the
0: thing, like, he seems to be taking chances on things that are different. Whereas, yeah. you know, Emma Watson's Belle in Beauty and the Beast and she sounds like Cher with the auto-tune and, and it's just it's like sometimes the bigger things aren't better. And that's the discussion we've had with, you know, talks of publishing. It's like sometimes being with the bigger publishers isn't the best thing because you can't break out of the molds that they want you to fit into.
1: Uh, I would argue it is. Okay. So here's another example, not just Daniel Radcliffe. And I'm hyper aware that the examples we're using are too, are too, um, I'm going to assume straight, but at the very least interested in women white men who are also British uh, with Robert Pattinson being the other example. I think that the fastest way for uh, high A-list celebrity actors to really sort of like mature within their craft. Um, maybe I shouldn't say this the way I'm phrasing it because I do not have any expertise in acting. I guess what I can say that I respect about Robert Pattinson and Daniel Radcliffe is their indie circuit tour. They, they have both really sort of built this secondary career after being almost potentially pigeonholed in in roles that could identify their entire careers um they've both done this fantastic job of going so far out of the like the identity of those roles that they have created this incredible sense of freedom to take on any roles they want i mean robert pattinson becoming batman from edward Cullen. i mean that's 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 a pretty
0: big jump and i suppose really i probably credit and he's in um the latest christopher nolan movie too Um, yeah (laughs) which looks fantastic the the thing i guess i would do is probably credit robert pattinson more than daniel radcliffe because harry potter is something that stood the test of time um and people still enjoy it i mean even though we're not allowed to enjoy it anymore um but people do still enjoy the stories But if you were to look at something like uh, someone like Robert Pattinson, his character was terrible. (laughs) So for him to come out of a terrible franchise and end up in some amazing work, um, that is an impressive feat and and an impressive way to salvage a career. Yeah.
1: I mean, because that easily could have
0: been a career killer.
1: Could have easily been a career killer. He could have easily been an incredibly wealthy former actor. Um, because that franchise is it's incredibly loved, but that does not make it any less of a I um, I don't want to say joke. That might be a bit too harsh, but qu- questionable material. Yeah. So I, I do have a lot of respect for those two actors for, for creating these, these fantastic independent careers for themselves and, and tying it back to what you said about indie publishing. I agree, because if you're going the indie publishing route, you can really ask some incredibly unique questions, which is what we spoke about on the last episode of being ultimately the most important part of storytelling, which is the why. You can get into some really nitty-gritty details of why you're writing a book beyond, but before you fall into the money uh, yeah, purpose. which
0: I just, just want to be famous.
1: Which is what Traditional publishing—it's all a business investment. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't treat your writing like not as a business. Personally, I actually think it's helpful. But if you make it the only aspect of it, I mean, for one, uh, you apps—you—I almost feel like you're you're going to be stuck forever because you're you're going to be stuck matching trends as opposed to carving your own niche. or carving your own way. Um, and secondly, you're going to then end up having to take some strictly money jobs. I mean, one of the jobs that a lot of represented authors in traditional publishing houses have to take are the publishing house wants to publish a book and they're looking for one of their authors on their roster to write it for them. Yeah. And I got to tell you, sort of like with the suits in Star Wars meddling, sort of like the suits in the live action of Avatar the Last Airbender meddling, when it's a non-creative coming forward with an idea and they're pushing it on you, it's more mo it's most likely going to suck
0: it's soul crushing because you, you that creativity has gone
1: it's a product it is a it is strictly a product and it's stri- um, and, and it's
0: and yeah. the creation is strictly a job
1: and and that's pretty much it. it's like there is a fine line between uh a, a, don't know like like a biz- like a business and a product and something that you are going to sell in a transaction make money from, make it your job, go home, and then do your passion with. It's, there's a fine line between that and art. And writing really is a balancing act between that because you have some artists who take their craft so seriously that you would think you're talking to some of the brilliant minds of the 1920s uh, and, like artists and, and visual artist movements. Um, you, you would think that these people are, are musicians in the 60s. You would think that they are trying to revolutionize something. And I'm not trying to say that in a negative light. All I'm saying is to them, their writing is art and yeah. the idea of perverting that with money is soul crushing to them as you've said um and then on the opposite end of the spectrum there are people who see it strictly as a formula to sell people products they don't need so that you can take money from them
0: so uh, brave
1: so brave so brave so <sighs> ultimately there there is a fine line to find balance i mean ultimately you have to do what's what's making you happy as well. Like if you can find pleasure in just following trends and selling things that you know, people are actively searching for good. for Yeah. You and that's and the thing.
0: Like if, if, you know, if you want to be the next EL James, I mean, I don't know why you would want to, but if that's, if that's, what's going to make you happy, then go ahead. But I just think that you need to have this passion for what you're doing. Because if you, I mean, some people can, but if you treat it as a job, I feel like the work will suffer.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Here, here's another example. Like if you want to be the next James Patterson, who I'm pretty sure at this point in time is just putting his name on books, not actually writing them and making a ton of money. Um, that, that's, that's fine. Um, like there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just all about finding, mm-hmm. I, I guess, your career within writing. Well, I guess, I guess uh, the
0: difference is, I suppose from an author perspective, that's like the difference between, you know, starting out as an actor and then becoming a producer. Like yeah, there's nothing I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I suppose no, it's not, what not. what you want to do. But um no, I think you've made a really interesting point about um choosing an independent route, and and sometimes that is the choice that's the best decision.
1: You also just you potentially make so much more. I say this constantly. Chances are if you're writing a book, the height of what you're gonna reach is mid lister. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying it's like chances are that's where you're going to end up because not everyone can be a rock star. Yeah. It's better to be a midlister who owns all of their own material and makes 70% of each sale than to be a midlister who's living from one advance to the next advance and has to constantly be writing for a publishing house. That's telling you what to write and how to write it.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that that's great advice. Um, well, we might leave that there. I think that might be a nice natural progression to leave it at our moral message at the end (laughs) um So so, so brave so brave i am so brave and so are you um so would you care to be so brave enough to um let everyone know where they can where they can talk to you or you know talk about your podcast let us know a little bit about you and then we'll say goodbye
1: yeah check out the green gold podcast it's available on any streaming platform that this is on so check that out please check it out after this episode in fact um Honestly, as far as what I'm creating, the Gray Angle podcast is probably what I'm most energized by. Uh, I love my YouTube channel and I love my writing, but I can honestly go from being on the verge of sleep to being ready to knock out ten podcast episodes with with Gray. It's it's such a blast. But you you can find the Gray Angle podcast on your streaming platform of choice for podcasts. Um, you can check me out at author rk gold on Twitter and Instagram, and you can buy my books on Amazon if you want. They're okay. If you don't want to buy them, I, I, I understand. If you want to buy something a little better, go for it. Uh, but if you want to support a shitty author, check out RK Gold on Amazon.
0: Wait, way to sell yourself.
1: <laughs> I, I can tell you that Father in the Forest might not be shitty.
0: I can tell you from the premise that I know that it's not. You'd have to, okay. you'd have to monumentally screw up in order to, to ruin that premise because it sounds okay. pretty good to me.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll tell everyone where the self-deprecation is coming from. It's not that I genuinely think I suck. It's that, for one, authors are most critical of their work, and two, I can't possibly look at any of my previous work without thinking of ways to improve it. I think that possibly the most thought-provoking piece of work I have produced so far is Lost in the Clouds. I also think it might be one of the most, like, I think it's pretty poorly written compared to Beds Are for Flowers. I think Beds Are for Flowers is incredibly unique. I think I wrote myself in a corner after book two and, I, and that's why it's taken me forever to write book three. And I needed way more exposition in it. I was so averse to show, don't tell, or I was so scared of telling that I tried showing everything and I ended up doing this awkward show and tell with no exposition because I was too scared of telling anyone anything. Um, I think that's where I fell short. Secrets are for flowers. It fell short because at that point in time, I knew I wanted it to be a five-book series, so I was just setting it up for book three, uh, which I ended up writing but not editing. So it's not that I think I suck; it's that I'm just so hyper aware of the mistakes I've made, and I'm constantly working on getting better. And I'm also aware that there are mistakes I'm unaware of. But um, that 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 again comes
0: back to what we were saying before about people who you know, peak on their first book or their first series, they become so complacent, whereas you don't have that. And that's healthy as a creative person to be critical of your own work.
1: You know, what's cool about writing so regularly, and maybe if we do a third podcast sometime, I I would love to get into this a little bit deeper. What's really cool about writing regularly is it's not about increasing your overall quality, but that does come naturally. It's about improving your lowest quality, You're essentially when you're writing your first book, it could actually be the worst thing ever written. But as you become more competent in writing and you just understand the basic structure of writing and you understand the basic beats and about when they need to uh, be added to the story and the basic understandings of characterization, like you need to understand at least their motivation, uh, the lowest level of what your story could be, I'll put it on a read scale because most people listening to this podcast is probably familiar with it. You could very easily take yourself from your personal lowest rating being a one or a dnf to a three just because you've become competent in a field that actually does lend itself to learning writing is one skill that you get better at the more you practice and so as you raise your competency you raise the lowest threshold that you'll ever meet and that is when the magic truly happens because that is when you improvise that is when you find your voice and you can make something truly special
0: Yeah. I mean, that kind of sounds similar to um, my philosophy, you know, as an unpublished author who doesn't have anything to compare it to, but um, you know, my philosophy is, okay, I might be the worst writer in the world. Okay. And then you might say, okay, so you're like two billionth on the list. And then you can say, I call, I kind of call it like the tier method, And I've never actually said it to anyone else before, but this is like how I view it. So, you know, you might say, okay, I'm going to learn plot and story structure. Now that might take out a quarter of the people who are writing. It probably take out a lot more. So, you know, you go up to the next tier and then you say, okay, well, what can I do to improve the next one? You go up to the next tier and the next tier and the next tier. You don't worry about like fixing everything at once. It just becomes like chipping away at learning little different things, you know, how to do character description, how to make characters that feel relatable. Like you, you hone in on one skill at a time and you perfect that. I mean, probably more than one skill at a time, but you hone in on your skills and you work your way up the ladder. Cause I think people just think it's really weird because no one thinks that you should be able to just, Oh, they probably do. But I was going to say, no one thinks that you should be able to just sing straight away or draw straight away, like, or or play an instrument straight away. People have to spend their lives learning about these things. And yet we say, oh yeah, you know, you just pick up a pen and start writing or just start typing on a keyboard and then it's done it's it's one of those weird things, but I'm like, it's, you really need to look at it as, okay, I've moved up this little step. Now I move the next step and the next step and the next step. And you just keep going up and up and up until you, you know, achieve an actual quality product. So I think my philosophy is very similar to yours. I like
1: your philosophy because it's the closest I've heard to like, When someone wants to pick up an instrument, what do they do? They learn the scales and they teach themselves a song. Uh, When someone wants to learn how to write, what do they do? They stare at a blank page and wait for the words to come to them? No, you got to find scales to practice that you can eventually improvise, and you got to find songs or in this case stories that you're familiar with that you can rewrite. Um, there's nothing, that's part of the reason why I see fan fiction as such a useful tool that I wish I had participated in when I was younger and first interested in writing, because it really gives you the opportunity to play someone else's music.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's where I think it needs to be seen like every other art form. Like, I think it's one of those things where when you look at drawing and singing and stuff like that, people assume that a lot of people uh, particularly with drawing even uh, people just assume that it's an innate talent as well. Um, but it's just so weird. Cause it's like, no, you just have to learn. It's the same as everything else.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. These are all learnable skills. And once you accept that, And once you accept that you're not going to like, I mean, you might naturally be better than others, but once you accept the fact that you're not going to naturally be great and you actually have to work hard to reach that level, uh, it's sort of liberating because then it puts the full responsibility of your career on you. And there's no exogenous forces. It's just you learning and retaining the material.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
1: So brave. So brave.